0: Welcome to the Wondered by the Word podcast, where we walk through the Bible chronologically in a year. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this podcast, I break down our daily readings from the Wondered by the Word reading plan and community so that we can all have better theology and grow in our faith. In case you're just now finding us, the Wonder by the Word plan can be found on Version or on my website. Wonder by the Word is sponsored by Truth and Grace Ministries. Learn more at BrittanyRust.com. hello and welcome to day 58 of the wondered by the word podcast and reading plan we are sitting in numbers chapters 11 through 13 today and this is where we see a shift in from obedience to disobedience in the hearts of the people in chapters 1 through 10 we see the obedience of israel and then it shifts in chapter 11 and that's where we're gonna sit today, as we take a look at these chapters. Now, as we enter chapter 11, the people are finally on the move towards Canaan. Remember, they had just left. And yet we see their faith buckle, the people they begin to complain about their misfortunes. Although we don't know exactly what they complained about. What we do know is that God's anger is kindled. And he sends this fire around the camp on the outskirts of the camp. And the people they ask Moses to, to go to God and, and to pray and to talk to him. And so Moses does that and God relents. He removes that fire. But it doesn't stop there. Then there is further complaining about not having meat. The people are thinking about, you know, Egypt and how they had fish and they had meat and they're longing for that time. They're they have this intense craving for meat. And the verb can here can be used for It can be used for positive desires but it's especially fitting for feelings of improper lust and bodily appetites and so they there's this um, underlying sense that it was more of a sinful craving more of a lustful craving and they were so distraught over this that there the text even says that they wept And as you can imagine, God's anger, it burns again. And this time, Moses is displeased. And Moses, he is so displeased and frustrated that it drives them to go to God. And he complains that he can't meet the needs of so many people. Moses responded to God in a way that we often do in times of trouble, right? We essentially say, God, I'm here. I'm faithful. I'm serving you. Why did this happen? Why did you allow this to happen to me? And that's sort of what we're seeing here with Moses. And it's easy to say it's the people who did this, right? People who are being ungrateful and lustful. Yet, though God did not you know, directly make this happen and, and afflict Moses with this, he did allow it and God allowed it for the same reason he allows any affliction it's to it's to move us to grow our trust in him and so what happens next is God tells Moses to gather men 70 men who will help Moses work in leading the people yet their loyalty was to be to God first and not to Moses these elders were to be there to help Moses carry the load, especially that spiritual load, and to help him to care for and minister the people and to support him. And it even says that the Holy Spirit came upon them, which is fascinating um, That's the Spirit of God wasn't just with Moses now, but it rested on these elders. And from there, God then promises to provide meat. God promises to give them, in fact, so much meat that they would become sick by it. And this was because they denied and doubted the goodness of God's deliverance. They were complaining. They didn't trust him. And so God sends quail, but along with the quail, a plague is brought upon them. While the meat was yet between their teeth before it was consumed. I'll be out in five minutes. Can I have my phone? No, it's actually bedtime. So why don't you go brush your teeth, bud? Okay. I know. Now the plague it doesn't tell us how many it ended up taking out. But it does say that it was a very great plague. And that people were buried, buried who people who had the craving more specifically. So perhaps those people who were sort of leading that notion and that call of disobedience. Then we move into chapter 12. And here we're going to continue to see this, this angst, this ungratefulness, this disobedience, but this time we're going to see it a little bit closer to home to Moses. Remember, he has a brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, and they've been helping him at different points throughout this journey, supporting him in his leadership. In this passage, we see them speak against Moses for marrying a Cushite. Now the feminine singular verb here that initiates the chapter and the placement of Miriam's name first um, indicates that Miriam is the principle in the attack against Moses. And as the following verses will show, the complaint over Moses's wife was not really the issue here, right? And that's really a common tactic where many people are criticized for things that are not the real issue or about the things that they have no control over. At the heart here, Miriam and Aaron, led by Miriam, they're jealous, Right. That Moses has this ultimate, you know, this this leadership, this power, this favor from God. And in one sense, it's really a strange question because God had spoken through Ariam and Miriam. Yes. But that wasn't really the question. It was more of an attempt to lift Miriam and Aaron up. They wanted some of the authority and and attention that Moses was receiving by God's appointment, right? So it was that jealousy, that envy that's really brewing here. It has nothing to do with who Moses was married to and everything to do about Aaron and Marian's own insecurity, their own envy in their hearts. And Moses, his response, the text tells us that Moses was very humble, very meek, more than all the men on the earth. And so Moses essentially really doesn't do anything, but he doesn't have to because God's going to defend, right? God's going to call out Miriam and Aaron. He's going to take care of the situation. And so God calls for the three of them to come to the tabernacle meeting. And this cloud of uh, pillar of cloud comes down to the door and in an audible voice, he chastises Miriam and Aaron. And then Miriam becomes a leper. In that very moment, instantaneously, she is a leper and Aaron looks over and he begins crying out to Moses. And Moses, he prays. He prays for his accusers and Miriam is healed. And then she goes and she spends the seven days from being unclean outside the camp. And that's where we see continued disobedience, even among the leadership. And as we come to chapter 13, and this is a chapter you've probably heard or heard the story about, we're going to continue to see this thread of of disobedience. Now, in this chapter, Moses, this is where he sends the spies to Canaan to scout out the land, right? These men were sent on a mission to examine the land, to bring back a report. They were to investigate, you know, what's the best path to Canaan? is this a good land to live in and to also learn the military strength of the people who were living there. Now, according to Deuteronomy chapter one, verses 20 through 25, this was actually at the request of the people. We don't see that here, but we see that Deuteronomy. And with that in mind, you know, this mission as we'll learn in a moment has a bad result. Potentially, This all could have been spared if Moses had not listened to the people, right? And had just taken the land, gone to the land like God had told him to. Now what happens is Moses appoints a leader from every tribe. So there's going to be 12 spies. One of those spies is Joshua, who we've heard about before, and he's going to be a leader of the group. Now this group of twelve spies they go to Hebron, and this is where those pillars of the faith were buried. Remember, Abraham bought land in Hebron to bury Sarah, and then he is buried there along with a few other people. But there's no note of that in the text, which is interesting. Yet there is a note of the the produce and the people, particularly of the people. Uh, they were the descendants of Anak, and Alan, the commentator, Alan he notes this instead of looking to the patriarchs and the promises the spies noticed sizes of buildings and statues of persons they averted their glance from the tombs of the fathers and they neglected the promise of god they were too preoccupied with the sandal sizes of three huge men who lived in hebron do you catch that that is fascinating it is convicting these 12 spies instead of looking at the tomb where their fathers were buried. These were This is where the promise came from. They're li- literally looking at the land that they are promised, that was promised to their forefathers who were buried there. And instead of recognizing that and holding that promise, they're looking at the size of the people there. Now, overall, their, their journey to spy off the land, it covered some 250 miles. And it took 40 days, which... 40 days is often associated with testing that number 40 and so they they're gone for 40 days they come back they bring the report the great news is they're like good news is there's great produce and the great land talking about the benefits of the land and how wonderful it is then they use the word nevertheless nevertheless is a strong way to make a contradictory statement it means essentially it means despite all of that despite all of that then they're going to say uh that well there's people of this size there are these giants this report recognizes the faithfulness of god's promise and the truth of his word and yet they said despite all of that we cannot conquer this land we cannot conquer this land despite the promises of god right we cannot conquer this land because of the size of the people There's fear. They're not trusting the Lord. And there's a a sane one in the group, Caleb. Caleb is one of the spies and he objects. It says he quieted the people. He quiets all the people, right? And he says, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. He believed in God. He trusted God's word. Yet the other spies, they come back and they dismiss him. You know they mentioned the nephilim in the land and the nephilim are those descendants of the anakites like we talked about now the nephilim this is a little bit of a debate who are the nephilim they're considered fallen ones or giants some consider them to be offspring between the daughters of men and the sons of god And this comes from the sons of God. It comes from Genesis chapter six, verses one through eight. And it says that the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives as they chose. And so the idea of who are the sons of God, many believe it. They were fallen angels, right? Um, Some believe that they were simply people who were very large giants, human giants on the land. We're not sure. But what we see here is, again, in these three chapters, disobedience on the part of the people. And unfortunately, it's going to continue. We're going to pick back up in chapter 14. We're going to see the people rebel. Friends, thank you so much for listening to Wonder by the Word. We are so grateful that you are here. And I really pray that this episode left you with nuggets of wisdom, that you learned something new, maybe it challenged you, but ultimately that it encouraged you and inspired you to dive even deeper into the richness of scripture. If the ministry of truth and grace or Wonder by the Word, the reading plan, the episode, all the resources have impacted you in any way. Would you please mind leaving a review, um, sharing this podcast with your friends? All of those little pieces of sharing and encouragement from your part go a long way to help the podcast get into further hands around the world so people can dive into Scripture, engage with Scripture on a more regular basis. You can also find us on Patreon, which would be a huge benefit to the ministry. And we just thank you so much for being a supporter. We'll see you next time.